Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. This is your host, Mitch Friedman, with Jeff Olson, broadcasting again from semi-lovely Cedar Park, Texas. No lake to see, no hills to gaze upon, but still, it has its own charm. Wouldn't you agree, Jeff? He doesn't agree because he lives in Lago Vista. We have a tar. Oh, yes, that's right. We have some things that you don't. So nanny, nanny, boo, boo. All right. No competition here. Uh, This is part two today of what I've called thematically pathways broad and narrow. And what we're doing here is we are uh, jumping off from uh, Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, uh, particularly in Matthew chapter seven, where he has just in a short, pithy little statement in two verses, 13 and 14 of Matthew 7, uh, what it means to discern how to enter life or how to uh, hit the broad path to death. He says in verse 13 of Matthew 7, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Remember, wide and broad equals destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Small and narrow equals life, and only few find it. So, pathways broad and narrow. Uh, Jesus here in Matthew chapter 7 is warning his listeners about false teachers who are prevalent in his day and continue to be prevalent throughout uh, Israel's history and church history as well, and even into our present day and maybe in the West, more and more present than ever. So in part one uh, from Monday's podcast, I asked you to consider your ideas that might be on the broad and wide when it comes to looking for a church. And now in part two here, I'm going to warn you that when you go into a church, you can determine whether that church, based on its leadership and based on its messaging, is actually leading you through a narrow toward life or a broad toward destruction. Uh, Because, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake, the broad and wide toward destruction are becoming more and more popular on the street where you live, in your neighborhoods, in your zip codes, uh, in what we call the form of progressive Christianity. Now, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, False teaching just takes different forms and finds different labels. Uh, But many of us in the West are being taken in and maybe brought from a solid commitment to the narrow way to a nice, easy, cozy slide into destruction by progressive Christianity. Even churches that uh, align themselves with certain buzzwords, phrases, categories like Protestant, Evangelical, non-denominational. You have to be really discerning. If you remember uh, way back in the day when we launched this podcast, we launched with a couple of admonitions, one a proactive and one a a prohibitive admonition or command, if you will. The proactive was from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
that the follower of Christ must be able to, must be prepared to, must have enough maturity to vet every idea and every thought and every philosophy that comes into his or her radar screen. Paul says that we take captive every proposition that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we make it obedient to Jesus Christ. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. So if you're not prepared to vet every idea that comes off of a church platform or off of a church website out of the mouths of leadership, then you might be someone who could find themselves shifting from narrow to broad. And that's, that's the proactive. We must take captive actively. Uh, the prohibitive is to refuse to be taken captive. And we find that in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae in what we know as chapter 2, verse 8. Do not be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on the elementary principles of this world and the traditions of men rather than on Christ. And so these two articles of captivity of philosophies and ideas are vital to your examination of every church context that you find yourself in. And if you're shopping for a church, you have to be super diligent. If you remember my three-legged stool illustration from our last podcast, uh, Sherry and I determined that the first and most important leg of the stool upon which our membership would rest was a commitment to the historic Christian gospel from Jesus to his apostles, from the apostles to the church fathers, from the church fathers to the apologists, and then distributed throughout church history based on that lineage. And so what you'll find if you go into a church environment or a small group environment, even a conversation with with someone who is seeking to follow Christ, uh, you'll find more and more this shift from a narrow and life-giving pursuit to a broad and destructive slide uh, based on these new forms of quote-unquote Christianity claiming to be the gospel but actually being no gospel at all. Uh, Let me tell you a quick story here. About five years ago, uh, one of my twin boys sat me down and told me he was considering going into ministry uh, vocationally. And my reaction, as any father in ministry would be, was, absolutely not. No way. If you understood the slings and arrows of outrageous trying to serve people, reaching out a helping hand, pulling back a bloody stump, no good deed, go unpunished. Uh, which is really what we should expect as we serve the Lord, by the way. He said it himself, and he experienced it to the full. But the thought of my son subjecting himself to those things, my immediate reaction was, and so after I settled down, we decided we were going to pray and talk uh, together over the course of the next month. And if he still felt that impulse, then I would help him pursue the next steps. And so sure enough, after about a month, uh, he said, Dad, it's still there. And so I, I know uh, several, well, many pastors in the area, but in particular, I was aware of a uh, church plant, which is a new church uh, down in the south part of Austin, just south of downtown. Uh, I knew the pastor and had a lot of respect for him. Uh, and uh, I set up a lunch with that pastor and my son. And during that lunch, I kind of, uh, I deeded my son over to him as a church planner. Church planners are always needing people and especially people to work 
and set up and tear down in a portable environment. And so I asked my pastor friend if he would take my son under his wing and show him all the, uh, all the grind of what it means to plant a church and some of the inner workings and behind the curtain realities of what it means to uh, execute a ministry in a community. And he was glad to do it. And so I, I handed my son off. And about two months later, uh, my son was over for dinner. And he said, like, Dad, like, I'm starting to get some weird vibes from this place, from the platform and what, what we're deciding to put on the website. And the, the reason he was getting weird vibes was because he had had some, some training in what orthodoxy and historic Christian faith actually was and what to expect of it as it was proclaimed and practiced. Uh, he had had that training at the church I pastored and a very extensive uh, deep dive into how to handle the biblical text from an honest perspective and what it means to see the culture in a way that allows you, as we declare in the Pinocchio Project, allows you to vet ideas. And so... I was thinking, well, that's strange. Why don't we just watch that a while? And so sure enough, my son's dis-ease, the discomfort began to be more and more and more elevated over the course of really about 18 months. And it, it had become obvious that my pastor friend, whom I had a great respect for, and he, I still, I love him, and he's a very gifted rhetorician. Uh, he, he builds ministry well. But it was obvious that he had begun to drink from the stream of what we call progressive Christianity, which is really another gospel. I'm pretty sure, though, if my son hadn't committed himself to that training, it would have taken him much longer to recognize this discontinuity between the narrow and the broad. And it might be that he never would, and he would have just got taken downstream as well. And so what I want to do now, as a matter of illustration, uh, this, is, this is public. It's on, it's on this church's website. I'm going to play you about a 90-second clip of what is coming off the platform these days. It wasn't coming off the platform five years ago, but these days it is. And I want you to vet for yourself uh, what you think the main message here is regarding what it means to follow Jesus Christ faithfully. Now, we've done our best to be clear about this commitment for a long time. We've got statements about it on our website. We talk about it in the welcome video every single week. But let me put it directly so there is absolutely no ambiguity. Here at Restore, LGBTQ plus people are fully loved exactly as they are, and they are fully included in every part of our church family. There are no restrictions based on someone's sexual orientation or gender identity. And this is true whether someone is in a relationship or not, whether they are pursuing celibacy or not, whether they have transitioned or not, etc. Now, this does not mean that everyone who is a part of the church family interprets Scripture the same way. Our goal is not theological or ideological uniformity, but we are completely committed to unity around full inclusion. And that means that if you are here at Restore telling sexual and gender minorities that they aren't fully image bearers of God or that they aren't welcome in God's family, or that there's some restriction on how they can participate in our church, we're going to have a problem. We have drawn a line at full inclusion of all people. This is who we are, because this is who we feel God has called us to be. 
So I'm going to try not to parse this too much. I mean, I could get into it and we could spend four or five sessions together. Uh, but I, I think I think the main emphasis of discontinuity or departure is a statement that a church that claims itself to be quote unquote Christian and even maybe evangelical or post evangelical, which is a fairly new term, would not center itself on theological unity. You heard the, the choice of moral language that is actually a little bit of a negative or polemic term. Uh, he used the term theological uniformity, which is sort of a Stalin-esque or Nazi-type goose-step uh, imagery. And so, I mean, it's very subtle. But a church that's not aligned first around theological unity, what it means to understand who I am in desperate need as a sinner of a Savior— and the proper understanding that follows that Jesus Christ is the only qualified sacrificial substitutionary atonement for my sin that separates me from God, and that with my acceptance of Jesus Christ and the gospel message, I am required to submit myself to the work of the Spirit in a moral sense, along with, with every other part of me, but particularly in a moral sense to live a life of holiness and separation from the broad and wide path that leads to destruction. And I, I want to encourage you if, you, if you need to go back and listen to this again, listen to this clip again and see if there is actually any kind of suggestion that Jesus wants to meet you where, he, where you are, but he insists that you don't stay that way for your own benefit and your own flourishing. And I would offer, if you can't find such an encouragement to join Jesus on this journey of growth, maturity, and holiness, then there's really no need to put Jesus in the equation historically, because that is Jesus's mission, to take separated sinners and sanctify them. That means purify them by their surrender to the work of his spirit in them over time for the benefit of of not only their own flourishing and freedom from sin, but also their family's benefit. The people that, that they work with, the people that they influence, can see that same beautiful, flourishing work in them. And so my, my purpose here is not to bash, but just to observe. And if, there, if there's any emotion I feel, uh, it's a continued and actually building momentum toward grief. Because I know as a spiritual leader, as someone who communicates the Word of God and is committed to faithfulness, that the last thing I want to do is misrepresent God because I am actually on the hook. That is, that is what the, the biblical text says. James says, not many of us should strive to be teachers because all who are are held to a stricter accountability. So I can't even imagine what it would be like to continually misrepresent the historic Christian gospel with passion and really kind of a, with a bully's attitude, we're going to have a problem and then have to stand before the one who graciously, willingly endured my sin so that I could become his righteousness. And if you look around the, the progressive culture, and I think this is going to be my last word on the topic, you'll see that, that more and more uh, progressive Christians, which is really a strange, it's a misnomer to me, because this is not the gospel. This is another kind of gospel. 
but more and more progressives find it necessary to deconstruct the historic Christian faith, particularly when it comes to issues of moral purity, holiness, and the necessity of Christ's substitutionary atonement. But if Christ didn't come to be a substitute to atone for my sin, there was absolutely no reason for him to climb up on that cruel cross and endure what he endured. So discernment, my friends, take every thought captive and refuse to be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies that depend on men and new traditions rather than on Christ. Enter through the narrow gate, the one that leads to life. For the Pinocchio Project, this is Mitch Friedman signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on the Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at pinocchiopod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening. And remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.